there, and welcome to Everyday Awesome, a podcast featuring dynamic discussions with interesting, innovative, and inspiring people from all walks of life. I'm your host, Trisha G., and I'm excited and grateful you are here. I was that kid who pretended to interview people using a paper towel tube microphone, and I had a great time doing that. And today I'm having an even better time taking that playful reporter-style passion to a real mic to bring you fun and enlightened conversations with amazing people doing awesome things. People who are game changers, inspiring themselves and others, never letting adversity stop them, impacting the world around them, and having a blast on the journey of this thing that we all call life. You may be wondering why listen to this podcast and who the heck is Trisha G? (laughs) Well, I love learning and connecting and my background as a teacher, therapist, endurance cyclist, coach and nonprofit leader have guided me to create this podcast for you. In each episode, my guests will be sharing nuggets of successful strategies, tips and inspiration to lift your spirits, ignite your soul and elevate your day. Stick around, hit play, and together, let's make every day awesome. Welcome to Everyday Awesome Today. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in. When I know that you have many other choices of interesting and inspiring podcasts to listen to. So today is actually the day of the Super Bowl, the day of this recording is Super Bowl Sunday, which I'll admit doesn't generally mean much to me at this point in my life, but oh my God, it used to. I grew up during the time, I'm dating myself here, but I grew up at the time of the San Francisco 49ers reign of winning. And oh, Joe Montana, Dwight Clark, Jerry Rice, they were crushing it on the field, just crushing it. And it was beyond exciting. And I used to actually watch the game with my mom, who was totally into football. And we would watch games together, and I absolutely loved it. So today, while it's Super Bowl Sunday, and I'm not really making plans around that, <laughs> except to do this podcast recording with somebody who I'm very excited about, it does take me back to thinking about those Super Bowl days when I would watch with my mom. And I had a big crush on Dwight Clark. <laughs> I just thought he was so great. So Super Bowl Sunday also now reminds me of my guest today, who is an athlete who grew up playing football. And he was so good at the sport, in fact, that he received a football scholarship to attend college. Always an athlete with a love of sports. He also held a love for dentistry, which you wouldn't think those go together, but they seem to go very well together with when it comes to my guest. And he knew from a very young age, he said around the age of six, that he would be a dentist. Jimmy McDowell is a master in all that he does, including being a father to five grown, very successful adults, managing his thriving dental practice, writing his first book. And for over 30 years, he has been the master of the ring, the wrestling ring, as the golden boy, professional wrestler, who recently won heavyweight champion for the National Allied Independent Wrestling Federation. Quite an honor. And has been asked to travel globally now for this sport. So Jimmy is a firm believer in going after your dreams, and he walks his talk. Living life to the fullest and wrestling his way to the top of all that he has desired. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation with the ever-interesting 
inspiring, and flamboyant golden boy, Jimmy McDowell. Oh, hello, Jimmy McDowell. It is such a pleasure to have you on Everyday Awesome. And that intro song was spectacular. That's Florence and the Machines? Yeah, Florence and the Machine. We all have a hunger, and we do. We all have a hunger. So that is the song that you were sharing that you play as you head into the ring? Or when you come out in your robes? When the curtain opens... You're just a new person. You are that persona. And, and my name, as you know, is the Golden Boy. So it's like I just all of a sudden, you know, adopt that persona. It's amazing. It's fun. And that song helps to bring that persona out in you because it brings oh, out, reminds you of your hunger to go after whatever yeah. it is you desire. A lot of the guys come into, you know, classic rock songs. I mean, they weren't classic rock when we listened to them growing up. They were just the songs we listened to. But they have so much, you know, upbeat, power, feeling, soul-touching songs. And, you know, this one is way different than most people. They're like, why are you going out to that song? I said, because we all have a hunger. And it just, it hits me. It really hits me. And the, the fans love it. The fans love it. I would think when you're having to come out and you're publicly bringing out another side of yourself, because we all have different sides of ourselves. So you've got the athlete that's coming out and you have the healing dentist that comes out when you go uh, and work with your client. So there's different music and words that can really inspire and ignite these different parts of ourselves. And so and that, it, that song ignites the wrestler in you. It does. And it, it touches me. I think when something touches your soul, it can be part of your, you know, I never thought about, you know, playing it before I go see a patient do an extraction. You know, it's like... <laughs> That's my professional persona. This is my play persona. And um, it's something that, you know, you're always constantly changing as a professional dentist, getting to be better, you know, cosmetic dentistry and things like that. But with, with, with wrestling, you're always learning, you know, new moves, new music, new looks. I mean, I haven't always been blonde. Sorry to say. Thank you for actually doing this on Super Bowl Sunday, because what's very interesting to me about the fact that we chose today, and quite honestly, when we scheduled this recording today, I didn't know it was Super Bowl Sunday. Right, right. (laughs) I wasn't paying attention. And then when we booked it and I was looking at the date, I thought, wow, here is a man where football has been such a huge part of your life, and we're recording on Super Bowl Sunday. So I just thought that was kind kind of a funny thing. Yeah, growing up in the South, I think I've told you previously that, you know, it's always, you know, church, hunting, fishing, football. And football. my sister was a cheerleader. So, you know, our family got both sides going on. And um, today's a, an amazing day for the U.S. because, you know, the, the greatest of all time, the, the quarterback, Tom Brady, who's been with six Super Bowl championships with, you know, this is his 10th Super Bowl. He's also going to be the oldest player to ever start a Super Bowl when it kicks off at 630 today. How old is he? He's um, 43, and oh. he's probably got three-plus years to go. 43? I mean, that's unheard of. Yeah, it is. And the pendulum oh. swings. I got a text this morning. My um, my football coach from college, Johnson, Dick Johnson, um, passed away in the night. 96 years old, led an amazing life. But we are, as football players, who our coaches molded us to be. And um, he influenced us, our offensive linemen, our team so much, and what an amazing man to to choose Super Bowl Sunday to pass. 
Oh my gosh, he passed away on Super Bowl Sunday today. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear this yeah. for you and for his family. And and what an honor for you to be able to speak about him on this podcast today, the day that he passed, about what an influence he had in your life. And what is his name again? Dick Johnson. He's from Dick Searcy, Johnson. Arkansas. From Arkansas? Arkansas, yes. Oh, you know, I just want to, I'm going to pause for a moment and I just want to send Dick Johnson a beautiful, beautiful light for his travels to where he is now. His beautiful family too. And his beautiful family. I really believe our soul uh, goes through a transition and he, oh, thank you for sharing that, Jimmy. And if his family's listening, we're sending you much, much love and a big hug. And, you know, I read about how you viewed football in your life. And, you know, I shared in the introduction to this episode about how, for me, football isn't a huge deal right now, but it was growing up in the San Francisco 49ers and right. Joe Montana and Jerry Rice. And, oh, God, I loved, I loved that team. And I watched it for years with my mom, who was okay. very into football. So I have it in me. And I do have a love of sports as a, as you know, sometimes an athlete <laughs> off and on over the years. So, but what you talked about, and I see that you're wiping your eyes. I know he obviously meant so much to you. And you sure. talked about what, you know, football, I mean, it, it gives you physical strength and prowess and, but the teamwork and the coming together for a common goal, you know, no pun intended, but common goal and working with somebody like a coach who helps to shape you into the person and the man that you want to be. You talked about that. And do you want to say a few words about that right now, since we're talking about your coach? Yeah, as a young male, um, I started football at seven years old. And every time I come across a coach that, you know, touched me, you know, as, you know, one-to-one connection, he will never be anything but coach. Sam Goodwin was my high school coach, amazing athlete, discus champion in, in the United States. And, um, if I see him, it's, it's always coach, you know, they see us more as peers, the older we get, because they're not that much older than us, but they, the the respect that you give coach will be something, you know, coach Proc, my college coach, coach Gooder, my high school coach coached, you know, after football, just coaches now are part of our life and, you know, self-improvement. And um, it's a respect that they not only can walk the walk, but they can mentor you too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you were, your coach in high school was obviously quite good because you ended up going on scholarship, a football scholarship to college. Yeah. Yeah. And you said you, you did really well in college and you, you tried out for pro teams as well. Yeah, I am coming through in the, in the late eighties, the NFL obviously was the big one, but there was a, a new group called USFL, United States Football League, which um, Herschel Walker and Doug Flutie and several others left college. And instead of going to NFL, you know, went into that league. There was um, arena football was going on big at the time. And it gave a lot of opportunities for people to, you know, do other things beside, you know, be, you know, a mainline NFL or um, played semi-pro football. Just thinking that that catch on me, just get that one notice. And um, anyway, it ended up being time to move to dentistry. After four years of college football, I played every quarter of every game, four-year letterman, same in high school. It was just, it became something that was in you. And I think I've helped pass that on to my kids because they all love sports, you know, in their respective sports. Oh, I love sports too. I absolutely love sports. And I think that using our body 
and working as a team, or even if you're in an individual sport, you know, like running on your, you know, it's, um, it just changes your physiology and it, it changes your state and it changes your psychology and really just makes life even more exciting to be part of some sort of sport. Well, you were featured on the evening news in Florida last year. They featured you as saying life is exactly what you make it. And then you also said, whatever your ultimate goal or dream, you can still live it today. And when I look at what you are doing, you're an entrepreneur and having your own dentistry business, but in other things as well. So you manage your own practice as a traveling dentist now, selling your practices of over 30 years just in 2020. You have five grown kids who sound absolutely amazing from the work that they're doing in the world. You pro-wrestle and you volunteer on boards for nonprofits. You've got some movie coming up and you're writing a book. So I guess my first question (laughs) that came to mind for me is where the heck do you get all this energy from? And I want to know what's your secret to juggling passions and living your dreams and how you have the energy to do all this simultaneously. I think it, it's not just internal soul, you know, living. I think in my mind, they're all interconnected. And if you can have that hunger we were talking about from the song in any aspect of your life, uh, Facebook has been a, um, a part of the new generation of which, you know, we're in. And I raised my kids because I gave them me and over time, you know, other kids wanted to be a McDowell child, you know, and other teachers. <laughs> so, you know, the amount of time I was spending with my kids because it was where I threw my passion and effort. And I loved it. But at the same time, I couldn't turn it off when I walked in the dental office. I couldn't turn it off, you know, with, with other endeavors I was in. So passion has to stay elevated in whatever it takes, you know, a monster drink or, a, you know, a jog or, a you know, a cold dip in the you know, the lake, whatever it takes to energize you to make your passion readily available doesn't end when you go to sleep because when you wake up, you're energized to do it again. And weekends are just as busy as the regular week. Okay, so two questions for me. Do you think that, because I've known a lot of people who are similar to how you describe where they're just, whatever they're doing, they are passionate, they're in the moment, they're full throttle, they have tons of energy and they seem to just really love whatever they're doing. Not all the time, of course, but for the most part, do you think that that's something that we're born with? Like it's a personality trait or is it something that you can foster and nurture and, and bring out in yourself? It's funny you mentioned that because today I was thinking I had gone to church this morning and the, the preacher was an ex football coach. And he said, don't let your glory end with you share it with someone else, share your passion with someone else. And if people can mentor you, or if you can mentor other people, even if it's one, because the one may do 10, it's just share what you have. And are you born with it? I don't know if you're born being an eternal optimist. I pass realism and pass pessimism and go straight to optimism all the time. (laughs) It's just me. And, and I don't come from a family necessarily of, of, of optimists, but I, a lot of realists in our family. If you saw their, you saw what, you know, all my daughters and, you know, kids do for a living. And, but there's, there are concrete things that you can teach the people closest to you. Work on your family first, you know, work on your closest friends. And then you're, as you're, as you're 
orb of influence grows with all your other endeavors, it just re-energizes you with that one new person or that one new thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I pictured a road sign that said, go straight to optimism. Like you're at a fork and you could go this way to realism or this way to negativity, or you can go this way all the way around those roads to optimism. And I, I like that. I'm kind of of the mindset that you can shift the way that you ch- that you are living. You can shift from, you can change at any point and become that person that you want to be and live your life in the way that you want to live it. I, I do believe that. And how do, you, how do you, how do we see ourselves? How do it's how we see ourselves. So if you see yourself as a curmudgeon, guess what? You're going to be a curmudgeon. You yeah. know, it's like if you see yourself as, you know, Sylvester Stallone or Hulk Hogan, you're going to move toward your goals and dreams of what you envision as a persona, whether it be a physical persona or an emotional persona or spiritual persona. It's all important. Absolutely. It's funny you mentioned Sylvester Stallone because I was just reading an article about him this morning. <laughs> so, and, you know, I, I don't hear his name mentioned very often. So I think that's just kind of funny. That <laughs> the connection. Well, so how did you get the name Golden Boy? For that's your persona for wrestling. I don't know if it's your persona for life or as a father or as a dentist, but how did you get that name? Professional wrestling is a very tight knit group of amazing individuals that are diverse across obviously all professions, you know, everything from, you know, unemployed, but they're a wrestler, you know, a dentist, a wrestler, you know, CEOs, there's people who, who do it that, you know, that is their entire life. I've wrestled, you know, many of the people on WWE and NWA and AEW, those kind of people that have made it their true life. So the name that you get is typically not chosen by you after they see how you work and you're working out. And, you know, other names for me necessarily didn't stick in the past, you know, just, you know, Dr. Jimmy Mack. And I've, you know, seen pictures, but once they got the golden boy, there's been a few other golden boys across the U.S. in different territories, but it seems like mine sort of sticks because it's the most recent and none of them have, you know, as far as anybody's ever searched, the only dentist that's ever been a professional wrestler, a male, there is actually a female professional wrestler now, um, Brittany Baker. And um, she's only been out of dental school for two or three years, but she does it. She does both full time. Like I do. Oh, that's interesting. Sorry. It's not me. (laughs) Well, I was thinking golden boy maybe came to mind for me in looking at your your history and your information, because everything that you've done, you do so well, you know, so through college and you've had leadership positions and you've been the, you know, class president and you've had honors. And it just seems like everything that you've chosen to do, you do it really well, you know, that you're a master of whatever you choose to do. And so I thought maybe the golden boy came from that. You just seem like a golden boy, always, you know, good at whatever you do. Yeah, it is a little bit. I think I'm, I have a really good friend who asked me as we just started dating, you know, who are you? And I know that she wanted it to be a really deep question. And I'm thinking, I'm a, you know, I saw myself as the hub of the octopus, you know, the head, and then all these little tentacles, you know, I'm a dentist, I'm a dad, I'm a wrestler, but you know, it all comes together, but I am now envisioning myself, you know, pull the legs in, you know, they're all in me right now. And it helps because your passion can directly affect all the the little things you do. 
I drive over 6,000, I don't even think I mentioned this to you. I drive over 6,000 miles a month. In the last seven years, I've driven um, 500,000 miles, half a million miles, which is is 20, (laughs) 20 trips around the earth, 20 trips around the earth. And it doesn't even feel bad because it's, it's my time to sit, think, listen to Tony Robbins, you know, listen to music that I want, connect to family. I'll have a specific two hour drive that I, I call my sister on every time. I pull in the driveway, I said, okay, time to go. See you later, right, love you. But I'm just saying, <laughs> when you have that passion in your life, it's gonna be wherever you are at any time. A traveling dentist, so you go to people's homes or you go to, where? how does that work? About seven, eight years ago, I had a choice to continue building my office up or a gentleman approached me from Miami, Dr. Sabo, and he asked if, he, if I'd ever thought about going to use my skills in nursing homes. And I'm thinking, no, as a matter of fact, no. <laughs> no. And about that time, my mom needed my, you know, about that time, my mom needed my help. And I went to the facility and they, you know, I just happened to leave work with scrubs, which that was a phase that I'm not in scrubs anymore. But I walked in, they're like, you can't see your mom as a dentist, but you can go see your mom as the son. And I'm thinking, that's really weird. So next time I dressed in my regular clothes, carried a little bag of my dental stuff. And I I, I got to see my mom as a patient, but as a mom also. And so when he said, you know, pick my interests. So I at least did it one day a week to get going. And now literally five days a week, you know, the, the pendulum has swung. The people that I see are in nursing homes, rehab facilities, hospitals, drug rehab facilities, you know, every place that has an ability to pull a contract of people in need. And some of them in the majority prior to to COVID last year was crazy, couldn't leave because they were, you know, incapacitated, you know, 600 pounds, broken hip, you know, whatever the, whatever the malady was, and just sometimes old age couldn't get out. And the other people in a dental office couldn't, make accommodations. So we go to them. I do literally all aspects of dentistry, uh, fillings, you know, x-rays, cleanings, crowns, uh, actually not crowns, dentures, partials. And I can do the majority of things that I do in private practice and it's travel. You know, I, I carry my kit and, you know, now there, I have a new patient the other day and he told the social worker, I haven't seen the dentist, but I saw this wrestler. <laughs> 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 and the social worker didn't know what I did. So I had to show her. She said, oh, you're the guy everybody's talking about. So it becomes, you know, when I walk in, I'm not the dentist. And they want to talk a few minutes of dentistry, but they want to see, you know, how, how my travels are going. And um, with COVID, it's changed. I see a lot more patients because they just can't get up and get out. Even the ones that can get out can't get out because of COVID. Mm, exactly. It's put uh, quite a bit of limitations on that. And it's almost sounds like your work is more even more mission-based absolutely you know because obviously it's mission-based before because of your heart and your soul and what you're choosing to do and why you do it but to take it on the road and to help people who can't get out or wouldn't be able to get access it's almost like nonprofit mission-based work it's truly heart you know my private practice i had um ceos i think i told you ceos of companies nba hall of famers nfl hall of famers as patients people of, and they're appreciative, don't get me wrong, they need what they need when they need it. Sure. But it's, it's episodic. And you go to a nursing home, they all need you all the time. And everything from um, going to psych wards to um, surgery wards, and you know, just getting into the, uh, 
you're helping them with dentistry, but you're also giving them some light because you're humorous and you're kind and you're warm. And so they're getting this amazing visitor in addition to getting their teeth taken care of. So it's a, and I, and I do, I do occasionally bring, um, photographs for me to sign for them so I do notice when when I come Uh back they're up on a wall I'm going well don't throw a dart at it if you don't like me but you know (laughs) they they like it and you know they share it with the nurses and the CNAs and the the other docs that are coming through but I I, talking about COVID I I survived COVID last July I was in the hospital for seven days it really is it's a real thing and that, that might be a good future podcast of just having a group discussion of you know healthcare professionals that would be real down and dirty and involved in what's happened over the last year. Absolutely. And I do know some of the work that I do is in the medical field. And so I do know a number of people who I could have that conversation with for sure. And I'm so glad that you were able to survive it. And, you know, it's, it is when you're traveling, I mean, you're putting yourself and this is a lot of the healthcare workers. So I'm actually just going to do a shout out to people like you and all the healthcare workers and the essential workers that are keeping things going for our communities, but who are exposing themselves. And it is a very real risk that they take. And so you're all that traveling that you did and you're doing is helping others, but it also does, you know, put you at risk. And one of the things that, you know, with the wrestling, just going back a step, um, I love that your robes that you wear are so full of light and color and sparkle and that your one of your dental assistants made them for you. So they're actually handmade by handmade. somebody that obviously adores you, that works with you. I and think that's so El cool. Salvador. I saw her yesterday. Um, Carolina is amazing. She's a dentist in El Salvador. Ah. But, but she couldn't, you know, the schooling and everything wasn't, you know, quite up to be able to take the test. And so when she came here, she became a dental assistant, you know, wonderful mother, great. She's great with patients and she's working on becoming much more bilingual than she was, you know, four or five years ago when she worked with me. But um, she has so many talents. She's an amazing cook. She's a, she can make cookies that are better than Mrs. Fields cookies with the icing. So, but <laughs> all of a sudden I said, you know, I want this. She said, oh, Golden, she didn't call me Doc anymore. She said, oh, Golden Boy, I can make that for you. (laughs) Let's see what you got. And so now she's making one that's all white. I'm going to go later on this year. Actually, it's later on this summer and sort of go more from gold to white with gold accents. So it's going to, the pure 2021 look is coming on. Ooh, pure. Interesting. (laughs) We're going to get a pure Golden Boy. Yeah, I like that. (laughs) it's truly a team effort or team with her making the robes and your fans who helped to name you. And I did mention it in the intro, but you recently won the heavyweight champion for the national allied independent wrestling federation. And now you're being asked to travel globally for this sport. What does that win mean for you? It opened up so many doors. I actually have to turn it, it. It came at a time where, I really rolled through 19, 2019, early 2020, and even traveled up through July last year and intermittently wrestled. But basically the wrestling world shut down. Even the big companies like WWE, AEW, they've gone to non-live audiences. You know, they're in the ring. They now have monitors around where everybody's cheering from the monitors. It's not the same. Mm -hmm. Uh, By a very wise, mature veteran wrestler, that when you wrestle in the ring, obviously you're 
you're doing it because it's your passion, but you're picking somebody on the front or first or second row on each of the, the four sides. And you're wrestling for that kid. You're wrestling for that mom. You're, and so when you're over here, you're looking at them, but everybody, when you're focused on one person, everybody thinks you're wrestling, you're looking at them. You know, now you're over here and you do. And so when you have that ability to give your energy and love out, they buy it. I mean, when I, you know, when you get hit and it, our job is to make it look like you just got knocked out. And, you know, when the ref comes down, are you okay? I'm going, that's what I do. You know, your job is to make it look like, you know, you think Sylvester Stallone and Rocky got punched in the face 5,000 times? No, it was angle. It was perfect, you know, perfection. Yeah. It was practiced. But when you can make your people believe, that's when you know you've done a good job. Oh, yeah. And it sounds like you, I mean, just looking at your face as you're talking about it, you seem to love to share energy and connect with other people and to light them up. <laughs> Literally. Um, I think maybe <laughs> next week you might be able to see that in person. I'll be out in um, Pacheco, California on the on the 13th, the day before. Um, if it was the 14th, it'd be just a perfect name. We could call it like, you know, Crimson Wrestling or something like that. But <laughs> It's, I don't think you want to do that for the your love. <laughs> well, I am excited you're actually coming into my area, coming out into, you know, the Bay Area in California. And I'm very excited about that because you're uh, you're in Florida. You're based in Florida. Yeah. yeah. So I'm it's following, uh, this is my next couple of weeks. I'll be in California next week. Two weeks I'll be in um, Oklahoma and I'll be in Arkansas. I'll be back in Georgia. I'm going to be March the 7th in El Salvador, Costa Rica. And so things are starting to open back up, you know, Puerto Rico, Peru, Chile, not really gone over to England or Japan. A, a goal of any wrestler worth is, you know, weight and gold and gold. Wants to go, <laughs> wants to go this to is Japan. golden boy. <laughs> Japan is an iconic place to go. A lot of the people that have been icons in wrestling have been to Japan and you become one with their their families with the people and obviously there's not many people that look like me walking around the streets over there so. <laughs> no but if you go to iceland there's some people that look like you <laughs> half my family's from iceland so i've been there many times and you could walk around the streets in iceland <laughs> i would be special then that's <laughs> no i know you wouldn't feel very special my bucket list i want to go there Oh, it's amazing. It's truly, I think, one of the best countries in the world. I mean, I'm obviously partial to it, but it's stunning. It's stunning. And I love the people and uh, the landscape. The landscape is, you don't see it anywhere else. The pictures are just so majestic and grandiose and you just want to touch it and feel it. Because I went to Alaska and got to be near, you know, McKinley or Denali, whatever they call it now. And even though you take a hundred pictures, it's not the same as touching it with your eyes and touching Mm -mm. it with your hands. Oh, I like that. Touching it with your eyes. Yeah. I love that analogy to photography. It's in Iceland, the landscape, the lighting, it's, it naturally lends itself to amazing photos without any manipulation or additional lighting, or it's just net. The natural lighting is phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's so, funny, at the golden, it's the golden hour in the morning and the golden hour at night. When you're filming a movie, you've got this hour before sun up and an hour before sundown that are just, the time to film because everything's perfect. You don't have to play with, you know, nobody films typically at midnight or at noon because there's just too much 
you know, you could do indoors at the time, but you know, there's that, like you said, it's the golden hour all the time in, in Iceland. That's pretty cool. So it's just the angle of the light and the way it is. Yeah. That's a good, oh, that's a great way to put it. You know, this is, we're kind of wrapping up with wrestling a little bit, but I, I was curious, what is it that you love about wrestling? Like, why is that, you know, it's also kind of very different than football in so many ways. And you loved football, obviously, and still do. What is it about wrestling? What do you love about wrestling? Football, obviously, is a team sport. You know, you're one of 11, and you have to do your job as 11. And being an offensive lineman, we always got a little bit of a chip on our shoulder because we would make the perfect block, and the running back would make a beautiful run. And they go, look how great number 10 is. And it's like, how did he get open? It was my job to block for him. (laughs) So, you know, our name that we made up ourselves for high school, our, our offensive linemen were, were the ham offensive line, H-A-M, hostile, agile, mobile. So, you know, we did our job. We won three state championships. You know, when you're on a team, you can rely on others to help. But when it's you in the ring, it's you and your persona and your ability to tell your story. It's not just going out and doing flips and yelling and stuff. It's selling and telling a story of what's happening in the ring. And it's a physical sport. It's obviously, I don't know if I share with you the picture. Um, two years ago, I broke four ribs, um, fractured a sternum, and um, collapsed both lungs. And they had oh. to, you know, haul me to the hospital. And um, at the, about four hours into the procedure, you know, I, I said, please don't cut my clothes off. They're like, custom made, don't touch them. <laughs> so they, took my, they did take my shirt off, which is fine. So now the docs are finally, you know, I'm feeling a little bit better and I got meds in and they come by and, and the belt, I'm on the gurney in, in the ER and they've got my belt right there, who, which I happened to win the heavyweight championship that night. And um, they wanted to take pictures with it. And I said, just a minute, this means I'm going to live, right? <laughs> you know, you're <laughs> when the paramedics who hauled you in and the EMTs and the docs come by and want to get a picture made with your belt, you know, you're going to live. So it's, it's an individual sport. It's something that you can be as brazenly over the top as you want to be. You look at the Ric Flairs and the Undertakers and Dusty Rhodes, my icons that I grew up watching and have shared locker rooms with a lot of the people that were my absolutely dream, you know, athletes of the day. And um, a lot of them are, are retiring. And I am going to share something on March 26th. I turned 60 years old. This year, I turned Mark. I'm turned sixty. And, You're going to uh, turn sixty on March 26th of 2021. Wow! And I'm still doing it. Love it. Well, and you, God, I also would imagine that the being prepared for wrestling and everything you have to do because it does take a lot of physical prowess and strength to do what you do, and you must be feeling like you're in amazing shape as you turn sixty, which is. I'm sure I tend to go to um, Hampton Inns because they've got good gyms. I, late at night, as I, after I travel, sometimes I don't want to go to the gym, but I want to go to the gym, but I don't want to have to go across town to Planet Fitness or Gold's or whatever's the, the one in town. So I, I do a lot of working out on my own. You, you have to stay in shape enough to look the part and walk the walk and talk the talk. It's just, it's who we are. Your pain, they don't know who you are until they see you. And if they don't like you, there's going to be somebody who comes in and takes your place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Age. Yeah. Oh, well, congratulations on coming up. Your birthday's coming up. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. a big one. I've, I've always wondered, do, am I really going to celebrate it? Because the majority of people in wrestling don't know how old I am. 
when I pin the guy that I'm beating that night, you know, one, two, three, I'll turn over and wrestle. I'll, I'll turn over, you know, secretly say to him, you know, I'm older than your dad, just to let you know. And I get, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, but for me, it's that little stick in the very end that I'm like, I just, it's, it's almost a, it's a, it's the final nail in the coffin to that match. And, now oh. you get to, and then we go to the, you know, it's just my take on, because most people don't know that I'm 60 and it is what it is. Well, you did just say it out loud on yeah, yeah, a recorded it's, podcast. So. Yeah, no, it's in <laughs> they the, might it's, know soon enough. <laughs> they will. They're good. It's fine. I'm, I'm good with that. Well, as long, you know, you can reveal your age. I'm not revealing mine. <laughs> You're but I will, say, <laughs> I will say I am a March birthday too. So nice. we will be Very. celebrating our souls coming into this life in March. It is yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, well, let's see. What is your favorite sport to be in as an athlete? Is it anything else in addition to wrestling and football? I think I told you during dental school, I, I caddied on the PGA Tour for Larry Ziegler. Oh. And uh, one of the things that about... I guess golf is a lot like wrestling. It's an individual sport. I liked tennis growing up. And to play tennis, you've got to have somebody to play against. And mm-hmm. a lot of times people wouldn't be available. And going again, hitting against a wall or hitting against, you know, just serving all day long is, is not fun. So I became a really good golfer, good enough to think about playing on some of the mini tours and, and events. And I liked it so much that, that I caught on as a, as a caddy on the PGA tour for a little bit. And I loved it because you're learning from the Jack Nicholas's and the Lee Trevino's and the, you know, the Arnold Palmer's, it was sort of toward the end of Arnold Palmer's career. And Jack Nicholas had just won his final, um, in, in 86, he won the masters is, you know, his, his 20th major or 18th major. And I just, to be around those kind of people and elevate them. And I got to walk with them, elevate these wrestlers and I get to walk with them. I get to, you know, elevate the NFL players and their patience of mine, you know, so I get to walk to walk and talk to talk of people who do it for a living when for me, it's a passion and a pastime. Which of those sports would you say are your favorite, if any, or maybe there isn't a favorite sport that you've been an athlete in? I have four daughters and my son, he's 13. And I think the passion that we shared wrestling growing up now that he gets to see dad do it, it means a little less to him. He put on pads last week for the first time. He's now playing um, tackle football and he's getting it. And, you know, we play wherever I'm at. Last week I was in Tampa at three in the afternoon. He gets off the school. It's a three and a half hour drive. I drove across the state. We play catch for 30 minutes, 30 minutes to an hour. And then, you know, I go back to wherever I'm going. But I want to make sure that he knows that I'm there. And what's connecting us right now is, is the love of football. So I'm going to have to say football only because it's bringing my son and I, you know, together in a way that, you know, daily, you know, I'm not going to pick him up and body slam him in the front yard and go, Hey, let's practice some new wrestling moves. (laughs) I should should catch the football and, you know, play catch in the front yard. And it's a good time. It's a really good time. Oh yeah. And especially with all the traveling that you're doing, that's got to be hard to be away from him. You know, you have, you mentioned five grown kids. And you must be so proud. I mean, I'm looking at your children's, well, your grown children, except for Bo, who's 13. Right. And so you have Brooke, who's a psychiatric doctor who went to Harvard and Yale. Brittany is a Georgetown nurse practitioner. Bry, or is it Bry? It's Bry, yeah. Bry is a hospital administrator. <laughs> so all so far in the kind of medical field, 
And then right. Brenna is a registered nurse. So right. all four girls went into the medical field and Bo is 13. You said he's a singer, a football player, and a day trader. <laughs> yeah, he's a stockbroker. I have to wait for him to get off the bus to ask him if he could, if he could transfer things for me for the day. Oh so. my gosh. And they all start with the letter B. All B, yeah. Wow. Is there any significance to that? I think we just got into alliteration. I don't know. It's just that <laughs> my kids, the, the first two, Brooke and Brittany are twins. And so they said, dad, we need you as a B sometime. I said, yeah, you can call me Bimmy or something. I'm just saying it's, it's just a nickname, but you know, it's, I like to, I'd sign birthday cards or Christmas cards with Jimmy and the six B's, you know, and we had a dog, it was Denver. So we never threw him in, in the mix. We didn't in change the mix. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, and what is it that inspires you? What would you say that when you get up, you know, gets you out of bed in the morning and helps you feel the passion that you feel? What is the inspiration for you? Truly just helping other people at whatever level they're at for that day. Um, I think I told you that there's a group that's starting um, a homeless group in Daytona Beach and it's called Homeless to Home. And the Homeless Society is a group of people who are, for whatever reason, choice or mental issues or health issues, not anything, they're on the fringes of society. And um, as this project moves forward, just Beth and I, Elizabeth Ennis, are on the board of directors now with Mark Gallus, and uh, he started the facility. We're going to be breaking ground within the next six months looking at 10 to 20 acres of amazing places to where they don't have to have a tent anymore to have a, to be homeless and to lock a door and have your stuff protected. It speaks volumes. Oh. They get their stuff stolen all the time. They're in the, they're in nature. We have hurricanes in Florida. Daytona has been hit recently. Beth's working in a homeless facility as a PA in um, Stockton, California. And they need and can't believe that somebody that's that caring is there to to look after their medical needs. And she gives with a grateful heart. She's been with Ian on the, um, you know, feeding homeless, feeding mm-hmm. gratitude. And mm-hmm. um, San Francisco. I've been out a few times with them also. And it's just an amazing time to, to give back to people who really need more. So as this becomes, you know, more part of my life, I see that I can treat them, you know, as if we, if we do the medical clinic that's attached, we're going to be doing medicine and dentistry in all aspects with my family, hopefully involved over the next few years and getting it started. And once we get a, a base program in Daytona, we can do it in other, other parts of the state of Florida. Oh, so what inspires you and gets you revved up when you get out of bed in the morning is helping people in whatever way you're going to be able to that day. So it might be when you're helping your family or when you're going and traveling to help people with dental care, or when you're helping on a board of directors for a new homeless organization that's working to end homelessness or to provide to provide homes. You were mentioning the Feeding Gratitude Project when you were talking about Ian and, and Beth, and the Feeding Gratitude Project is was in San Francisco. And then Ian Griffith, I actually had him on my show uh, a couple episodes ago, And he started it and just, he partnered with Nibble, the food company, and he partnered with them and they donated food and he brought a group of volunteers out onto the streets. I was one of those volunteers actually. So you and I actually never met through that, 
But I did do that for, I don't know, 50 plus times. I went out and helped. And But what the goal of it was, which I love, and it sounds like you're doing that as well with your new group in Florida, is to go beyond just here's a meal, but to connect and to help to find resources and access to, you know, take their life in a better direction. And one of the things that struck me about going and helping those, we'd do it Friday nights and we'd go down into San Francisco and actually have conversations with people who are homeless. And they, I remember things that struck me that I I still think about regularly is several of the people that I spoke with saying, you know, literally crying and saying, you know, the most meaningful thing to me is the food is great, but the fact that you're even speaking to me, that you didn't walk just past me like I don't exist. And that was their experience, was this feeling of people walk past me and they're, you know, people are uncomfortable. They don't know what to say. They don't stop and have conversation and they feel invisible. They're right there on the street, but they feel invisible. And that really struck me. And the feeding gratitude, just for you, the listener, if you're in any way interested in supporting this, I mean, I know, Jimmy, you flew out from Florida to come and participate in it, but it's going to be starting again in San Francisco and Southern California. So you, the listener, if you are in any way interested in participating and you're in those areas, you can send me an email at everydayawesomewithtrishag at gmail.com and I can send you information about it. So you're inspired by giving. You're just yeah. a true, you're, you know, a true man with a golden heart. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next for you, Jimmy? <laughs> oh my goodness. Like I said, um, I start filming a movie next month. All children go to heaven. They came to me in late 19, early 20. We were ramping up, getting ready to start filming in March. And all of a sudden, you know, COVID hit. It's a story of I'm a um, childhood heartthrob, almost like a a more masculine version of of Mr. Rogers. And um, I have a TV show that, you know, people, you know, kids love. And we start filming a movie. Um, just started writing a book called um, My King's Code with Joby Sumner, who's an amazing individual out of Atlanta, North Carolina. We've become friends through a couple amazing groups. And to be able to share how men communicate with men about women and to women is something that we need in our lives now. You know, we want masculine men to be masculine, but we want masculine men to not be emasculated also. So we have to know that it's not going to be like it was in the dark ages and, you know, beer and, you know, you know, that kind of stuff. But to be able to communicate with power as a king did and with love and how we were, how the book is going to take 10 year increments, you know, from zero to 10, 10, 20, and how men, males work through communication with females all through those ages and what we're thinking, because I promise you what you're thinking right now, I don't know. (laughs) It's like, I may think I know. I'm not just a hairy woman. That was, that's from the Queen's Code was a book that was written. And, you know, Allison thought that, you know, men were just hairy women. No, we're different. You know, we're complex, even though we don't let on to be. So our book is, is going to show that, you know, we are complex individuals that we do love. We just maybe have to find a way to get it out better. We need to market men better, market ourselves better. You know, I'm going to do a little plug here because you're referencing Allison Armstrong's the Queen's Code, which I've read. It's amazing. She's amazing. And she has a whole series of courses for men and women. And she also has courses just for men so they can learn 
more about understanding themselves and understanding women. And what it does, she did start it because she did think that men were just hairy women. And, and most of us women, I mean, you know, I'll admit, I, you sort of think that people will just know what you need or what you're thinking. You shouldn't have to say it or you shouldn't have to ask. Or <laughs> and, when I, and that's just humorous because we're not psychic beings. And literally the structure of our brains is different. The, the structure of our brains is different from the time that we are in utero. And testosterone completely changes the brain. And so I actually found it exciting and invigorating to realize that we are different and there are some very straightforward, easy, amazing ways to be in great communication with each other. And I just had a couple on my episode before this one, so episode number six, that we're talking about how to create a strong relationship and communication to them was like the thing. Communication. So it's great that you mentioned that. So you're working on a book called The King's Code. You're also going to be starring in a movie. You're, yeah. Oh, so exciting. So now you've just added <laughs> two other things. <laughs> and I'm becoming a little more proficient in cryptocurrency, but that'll be a topic discussed soon. How much do I really know? We'll know in five years, you know, what's real. And what's <laughs> you know, that's so, a lot of things. We think we know what we know, but we don't know what we know until later when we realize what we knew. <laughs> way true. I got, I understood you. I knew what you said. See, we had effective communication. <laughs> I was, well, so we're running out of time. I have absolutely, absolutely enjoyed this conversation with you. One of the things that I like to do is leave you, our listener, with thoughts and actions that you can take with you after you hit stop on this recording and head back into reality <laughs> from, from right. this conversation that can elevate your day and inspire your soul and energize you, just energize you like Jimmy's energized. So what would you say, Golden Boy, are the three takeaways that we can leave with our listener today that they can take into their day or just from your experience, what are three things that lift you up or help you to feel that passion and inspiration to do the things that you do? Find out what your true passion is. If you are a giver of your time, find a place to give your time. If you're a giver of money, find a place to put your money, find a place to share people, share with people who can value your contribution. And we can give time in an area that nobody appreciates. So know what your passion is and go to that area, you know, feeding gratitude, um, working with the homeless, whatever it is that you can passionately live for. And that is something to me that, you know, you, you want to be able to share. Um, the second thing would be once you identify who you are, perfect your persona, make your persona as polished and shine it and cherish it and make it as outwardly big as you can. Don't play small ball, play big ball, you know, Ooh, don't out. play small ball. Okay. And just, just, just become the person who you may have dreamed about, you know, whoever your idol was growing up, you can be them in a different venue or a different direction. So to, you know, don't, suppress who you are become more of who you envision yourself to be so persona is big you know perfect your persona i would say and then um become the last one is just become attached to your spiritual side you know find a deeper 
deeper connection to where you were not of this world by our own doing. You know, we're brought in by, you know, many, many family members were brought in by, and we, and we come into the world screaming and we're going, I'm going to be leaving the world screaming. I'm not going to go, <laughs> I'm not going to go out, you know, quiet, but become attached to your inner spiritual needs and nurture them and grow them and passionately, you know, share that part also. The things I love do. that. So what I heard, if I understood you right, is, if, and you know, communication is big. So I'm going <laughs> to make sure that I understood you. So the first one for you, our listener, is to find your passion, be clear on what it is that you really love to do or are called to do or feel good doing. So it's giving to others and helping others. And the second one was you were talking about persona and kind of, you know, go big, don't play small ball with your persona, right. which is one thing that I'm taking away from that is to really, to really be yourself. If you are somebody who is super stylish and you like to be flamboyant or you love to be a certain way, be who you are and don't play small ball, which I like right. that. <laughs> Whatever you do. Yeah, right. Because the world needs to be filled with who we are to keep it diverse and interesting and, and authentic. And then the third one was to get connected with your soul to stay on whatever that spiritual path is for you to be connected. Like for me yesterday, going out to the beach was a great way for me to connect with my soul and just lifted me right up. And, and so whatever it is that connects you with your soul and to be connected to that deeper part. Oh, I love those three kind of takeaways. And thank you for sharing that. And I also want to thank you, Jimmy, for being so authentically real and so heart-centered and passionate, but also very masculine and strong and really embodying that balance of all that you are in this episode, but also in your everyday. Yeah, it's, it's who I am. I want to make it a better me. And I always want, you know, this time next year to, to have the same Jimmy 2.0, you know, and then version 770.0 after, you know, <laughs> there. so there's, we can't be stagnant. We always have to grow and that, always that's grow. And so we're on Jimmy version 60 is what you're saying. That's right. And if you, need, if you need any help with your movie, you know, you need any extra actresses or anything, I think it'd be super fun. So <laughs> we're going to have a weekend. Yeah, we're going to have a weekend of, of people fly in that we know and oh. uh, you're definitely invited and we'll have a, um, a weekend of needed of, of extras and some parts that are written in. So I'm the executive director. So I've got to hook up. I know. Oh, I, know I would that. love it. I would love to be on a movie set just to experience what that's like to be behind the scenes. Cause that has always fascinated me. So Jimmy, how can people find you learn more about you? Do you have websites or anything that you refer people to, to just get to connect with you? Yeah. My main way to publicize myself is still Facebook. I'm not a Twitter or Instagram person. My son's trying to get me involved in it and I'm getting better, but I'm Jim McDowell on Facebook, just Jim McDowell. And the, there's a few across the U S so it's the one from Tequesta, Florida and, you know, friend me, follow me. I've got a few more spots open. And then I do have a Facebook site for wrestling, which I'm using it more, but it's called the golden boy wrestles. Oh, okay. I try, I try to put a, you know, some information there as much as I remember to do, but I, <laughs> I, 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 I self promote more than most people. So good for you. Good for you. We should promote ourselves. 
So thank you again, Jimmy Golden Boy, for being my guest today. And as it's just such a pleasure to chat with you, and I think you're a gift to the world, and I'm just really grateful to have crossed paths with you and to get to know you. You're a wonderful soul in this world, and I look forward to seeing more of the Golden Boy Wrestling and your movie and your book and just following what exciting things you bring to this world. So thank you, our listener, for joining us. I hope you have enjoyed this time with my guest, Jimmy the Golden Boy. <laughs> Join me Every again. Day awesome with Patricia. Thank you so much. It's, oh. it's been an amazing hour. It was really nice. Oh, thank you. Uh, Join me again for my next episode, and here is to finding some awe in your everyday. This is Trisha G. signing off until we meet again. Hey there, and thanks for listening to this week's episode of Everyday Awesome. How lucky are we to have had this conversation today, learning, growing, and being inspired together. I am so grateful to have had this time with you, and if you like what you heard, please share it with a friend family member, neighbor, or what the heck, share it with a stranger. (laughs) And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, suggestions for future guests you'd love to hear from, comments, or feedback for me, you can reach me directly at everydayawesomewithtrishag at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and let's make every day awesome.